Well, let's be honest. Sometimes days can be horrible. We can feel so overwhelmed. We don't want to get out of bed. We don't want to think about anything that we have to do. We don't want to see anyone. The anxiety can seem to come out of nowhere. It rises up. It chokes us. We worry about our kids. We worry about our jobs. We worry about our money, our friends. We worry about our health. We worry. We just worry. We're overwhelmed. And darkness can seem to close around us, stifling what little life seems left. We can feel so very alone. Some days. One mom from our community wrote to me and described one of her darkest times like this. When I gave birth to my daughter, I looked at her and I knew I was supposed to love her, but I felt so different than that. I think I was more stunned and in shock when we went home from the hospital. I still had that feeling. And I knew I was supposed to feel excited and so in love, but all the crying and crying made me on edge and angry and sad. I wanted to be a happy, I wanted a happy motherhood experience, especially with my first baby. I felt so cheated and I remember telling my husband through my physical pain and emotional pain that I just wanted to die. I didn't care about them. I knew I was supposed to. This is the thing that probably saved me and my baby. I knew I'd be in trouble if I did something like shake my baby or throw her against the wall. It was such a horrible and dark feeling. I remember driving one day and was contemplating just running right through a red light. And then I had a moment of clarity thinking I probably would be fine as no one would be going fast enough and I'd probably hurt some other unsuspecting person worse. That red light wasn't the way to go, so I stopped. The voice that told me no and wake up, I'm sure was the Holy Spirit calling to my heart. Then there were evenings where I'd sit and I'd think and I'd realize I had some terrible and ridiculous thoughts and life was pretty good, hard but good. Even though I talked openly with my uh, midwife and public health nurses, even at their urging, I still didn't do antidepressants and I wish I would have. Another man from our congregation describes his first real experience only a few years ago with depression. He describes it like this. I realized how all-consuming it could be and, and how it involved your whole being, including the physical. I felt like a foreigner to myself and felt such despair that at times I wished life would end. Some days are bad. Other days can be okay, even good. We get out, uh, we see friends, we, we smile a bit, we maybe even restart some hobby that we've dropped. On those days, we begin to feel some hope. We even wonder if maybe things are getting better finally, except perhaps that nagging worry that it might come back, whatever it is for you, depression or hopelessness, despair, anxiety. Maybe those overwhelming, debilitating thoughts that can seem to drive us deeper and lower and drag us back into a listless disinterest. And that fear can ruin a perfectly good day. The truth is, worry and anxiety and depression and mental illness, these are daily monsters that many of us struggle with. 
Many of us here right now know what it's like to walk in the darkness and to feel all alone. Many of us also know what it's like to walk with someone in our family, our own kids, a sibling, a mother and a father, a friend. And right at the start, you need to hear this truth. Wherever you are, though you may be walking in the darkness, you are not alone. And even though the darkness can feel suffocatingly black, there is hope. For the month of February, we are exploring just that. What does it mean for us to tell the truth about our own mental and our own emotional struggles and also tell the truth about the God who walks with us in that very darkness, even bringing us into the light of hope? Now, why are we doing this series? Really, because we love people. I mean, if I were to strip it right down to basics, we're going to dedicate the month of February to this because we love people. We love people and and battling worry and anxiety and depression and struggle is a living, daily reality for many of us. And we love you. We love each other. And as a community that's committed to walking together in the love and grace of Jesus, mental and emotional health is a concern for all of us, for each of us, that we become more and more a community of compassion, sharing and living in the heart of Jesus, caring for each other in our needs, whatever our needs are. But let's give some context. You know, the reality of mental illness in Canada is, is pretty sobering. It's pretty staggering. Let me, let me give you some stats. Did you know that one out of every five Canadians, that's 20%, so look around, one in every five of us will experience a mental health crisis in their lifetime? These mental health crises, uh, they cover a range of struggles, a range of diagnoses, um, disorders, but all of them, each and every one of them, represent very real struggles in the lives of people that we know and love, people that love Jesus and follow Him, people that don't know Jesus and aren't following Him, people that are all around us, made in the image of God, struggling. Real emotional and mental trauma in their lives. Almost 10% of us, 8%, will experience major depression in our lifetime. And I know that many of you here could attest to that struggle, that you have experienced it, sometimes because of something that happened, sometimes because of something that wasn't working right in your body, sometimes because things came crashing down, and sometimes you just didn't know where it came from, it just came out of nowhere. But you can attest to that. And I hope that one of the the things over this series I Hope that you'll have an opportunity to share with someone because some of you haven't talked about that very much. Some of you, for whatever reason, maybe it wasn't encouraged, maybe it was looked down on, whatever it is. But I hope that through this series, you will have the courage to share your struggle with someone, with maybe a few people, that we'll be able to talk more openly about some of those struggles. That is one of my goals uh, for this series. Our youth are struggling. The Canadian Mental Health Association estimates that 10 to 20% of our youth are affected by a mental illness or a mental disorder of some kind. It's a reality that if you were to talk to our youth and they were to be honest with you, they could tell you they know that. that that's true. They have friends. They talk to friends. 
They talk through, a lot of times, through social media. They talk to each other about what's going on in their lives and the struggles they're happening, ha- having. And many times the parents in the family are not aware that that's happening. They're not aware of how low their kids are. They're not aware of, of what's happening. Uh, did you know that suicide, you probably knew this, suicide is one of the leading causes of death uh, for both men and women right from teenage years right up to about my age, 42, 44 I think is the stat. Suicide claims a qu- quarter, a quarter of all deaths in the 15 to 20 year old category, 24 year old category. A quarter, 20, 25% of the deaths in that category to suicide. And, 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 and Second only to accidents. And, and the, it's the second uh, mental illness of some kind is the second reason, second leading reason why a teenager would be admitted to the hospital next, next to a, an injury of, of some kind. Let's talk about anxiety for a moment. And most of us know this. Anxiety is pervasive from our children to our teens to our, our moms, our dads, men and women, right up into our senior years. At least 25% of Canadians have an anxiety disorder. 25%. That's one in four. Look around. One in four. Some kind of disorder that will require some kind of intervention or treatment in their lifetime. I know in educational circles, I've talked to Ken about this, I've seen a huge uptick in anxiety in, in, in students. And frankly, in the teachers too. But, you know, that... And maybe that's related, but it's, it's all over the place. I remember being at an educational conference a few years ago, and, and half the workshops being offered at this conference were related to anxiety in, in, in youth or anxiety in students and how to navigate that and how to support and how to encourage debilitating anxiety. And I know that anxiety is a major struggle for many of us here whether it was brought on or as part of postpartum, whether it's a result of other difficulties. Some of us in our community struggle to even be present in a community like this. Do you know that? Some of you had to overcome the anxiety to come here this morning. The anxiety of being part of a crowd like this. And I just want to tell you, for those of you who are here this morning that had to push through some of that, I am so glad you did. We are so glad you did. We are glad that you somehow found a way here today. And there may be others listening on the podcast right now who weren't able to. And we love you too. But it's a reality. It's everywhere. Everyone, without exception, every one of us, without exception, is affected by mental illness. Either personally, and as we can see in the stats, lots of us, but if we extend it and say, anyone who has a family or a friend who is struggling with it, anyone who has someone in their life they care about that is also wrestling with it, guess who is included? Everybody. Unless you live in a hole somewhere. And then you're probably the one who's struggling. That wasn't meant to be a joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? We all have a part to play in this. Mental illness is real. It's pervasive. It's personal. And it's all of our concern. That's why we're doing this. Knowing this, knowing the reality of your struggle, or not the reality, I shouldn't say that because we don't know. A lot of you have not talked about it. I don't know exactly what's going on for many of you. I've heard some of your stories. But knowing that this is true more broadly, we want to, as a church, 
be a community that listens, that shares, that walks together with each other in the midst of struggle, caring and loving and encouraging and remembering and holding on to the God who won't let us go, who is always with us. We don't want to be the kind of people who have to hide our struggle. You know what I'm saying? We don't want to be the kind of people that communicate to others that they need to sort of fake it till they make it or they fit in or don't show that, put a smile on, just sort of act like everything's happy. We don't want to be that kind of community. We want to be a church that is honest about the darkness, honest about the struggle, and at the very same time, honest about the hope that we share, honest about the one that we follow, honest about the God who is with us through the darkest valleys. So the simplest reason we're doing this series for the month of February is that we want to love each other. As Christ has loved us, and we can't really love each other if we don't know what's going on in our lives. We can't really love each other if we're not aware. And so the onus or the challenge is on both of our parts, and we're going to be exploring that all through the series, on those of us who are in the middle of struggle, and those of us who maybe at that time, or maybe maybe we haven't had some of those struggles, but how can we also be a people who travel with others? How do we share together? so that we can love each other more deeply, hear one another's stories, and be truly present with each other in the darkness, on the road, following Jesus. For these uh, four weeks in February, we're going we're gonna to follow a, a very familiar psalm, Psalm 23. And we're going to use it as our kind of our guiding framework for this whole series. Um, the, the, the psalm might be uh, you know, unknown to some of you, uh, it might be really familiar to others, but this psalm, through this psalm, we're going to discover that this overcoming, hope-filled truth that no matter how dark the valley becomes, and they are dark, no matter how the, difficult the struggle, and they can be very, very difficult, that we have a God who never leaves us. We have a God who never forsakes us, who never lets us go, and He is present with us, walking with us, even in the dark. And so I want to ask as we begin this series, would you stand together and let's read this psalm together. I hope you can see it. Well, we'll bumble along if you can't just make up words, but you know, whatever comes from your memory if you can't see that. But it's Psalm 23 in the NIV and let's try reading it together, okay? Here we go. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for You are with me. Your rod and Your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of the Lord. Be seated. For many of us, we grew up hearing this psalm. It's maybe one of the most well-known psalms in the Bible. For, For some of you, this may be an unknown poem. First time you've heard it. What a delight. But I'm hoping for all of us as we hear this story, this true story, this true poem of how God walks with us, that we're going to be able to receive this story as a way of telling our own story 
our, about our own walk in the dark, that we are never alone. Today, we're just going to focus for a few moments on the very first verse. Can we say that aloud together? Uh, a couple more slides. There we go. Let's say that aloud together again. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Let's try it one more time. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Other translations, they kind of vary that last line. For those of you who are really familiar with this one, there's lots of different ways they put it, right? I lack nothing. I, I want for nothing. I shall not be in want. Um, I have everything I need. However it's translated, it's a super bold statement. <laughs> I mean, I lack nothing. When we hear this psalm, I know, this is one of those lines where it's so easy like just to glide right past it. But I don't want us to glide right past it this morning. I want us to pause and ask, is that really true? I mean... Is it really true? Is it true for you? Is it true for me? Can I say those simple words with confidence and boldness? Because when the Lord God is my shepherd, does that mean I don't have any more needs? Is that what that, is that, that I've been fully provided for? That there's nothing I need at all? Is that what's going on here? Because if we're honest, huh, we feel tremendously lacking. Like, we've got a whole list of needs. You know what I'm saying? We can feel terribly alone. We can feel crushingly overwhelmed. We can wake up in the morning with just a, 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 a you know, a, a laundry list of things that we most desperately need that would make a difference in our lives. And we can feel every moment of the day how significantly we lack. For some of us, so much so that we don't even want to try anymore. We don't even want to live anymore. I mean, lack nothing. Are you kidding me? I lack everything. What are the, some, let's just shout it out. What are some of the things that we can often feel we lack? You don't have to answer for yourself. You can answer for a friend of yours. What are some of the things we feel like we lack? Shout it out. Love. Sleep. Money, respect, understanding, patience, water. Come on, what are some of the things people feel they lack? You feel you lack. Your friends feel they lack. What what are they? Pain-free, yes. What else? Finances. Friendships. Energy. Support. Justice. Yes. Wisdom. Purpose. Freedom. How about health? How about if, if, if my husband would just pay attention to me? Food. Overcoming an addiction. What else? Anything else? What, what do we lack? Peace. Joy, we feel tremendous lack. We can feel overwhelmed when we're struggling with anxiety or we're struggling with depression, we struggle with any kind of, of mental disorder or, or, or illness. Our sense of need can loom so large that a statement, I lack nothing, can seem trite. 
can seem naive. It can even feel a little bit mocking to me, to you, to us, maybe to others. And I just want to say that acknowledging how much we lack, how much we need, how alone and wretched we feel has really good precedence in the Bible, as Amanda already pointed out in the worship service while we were singing together, rather. That this collection of poems and prayers known as the Psalms, when you range through them very quickly, you see that the poets who penned these words were very honest about their personal struggles. They were very honest about all the ways they lacked, ways they needed God to come through for them, ways they were stuck, ways they were overwhelmed by by enemies, metaphoric or real, ways that they, they couldn't make it anymore, things that were out of line in their lives, things that needed to be changed, remedied, justice that needed to come, or grace that needed to come, or forgiveness that needed to come, or some way out of the darkness that they were in. And they're filled with that. And these psalms, this, this collection of 150 songs, they have formed the worship center of God's people for thousands of years, and they cover the whole range of human emotion. They cover joyful worship, celebration. They do cover that. They also have you know, poems that are mind, more mindful reflection and musings. They cover violent, angry rages. They, they cover despondency. And, and depression and darkness. In fact, there's nothing in the human emotional experience that doesn't fall within the emotional range of, of the Psalms. The category of Psalms that fits our conversation today, as Amanda already told us, are the lament Psalms. Particularly the, the sort of subset within that of the personal laments of people who had felt abandoned by God. Lost and alone in despair. You already heard from Psalm 13, O Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, O Lord my God. Restore the sparkle to my eyes, or I will die. Do you think that person feels like they lack something and are willing to tell God about it? Jesus himself quoted one of these songs. And again, man, man, it was like you were reading my script here. But Psalm 22, which Amanda read, was one of the psalms that Jesus himself quoted on the cross when he said, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night I lift my voice, but I find no relief. And then there is the most despairing psalm in the whole book, Psalm 88. It's the only psalm we have that doesn't end with that positive note that Amanda referred to, that all all the lament psalms, with the exception of this one, they all end with an expression of trust. But not Psalm 88. It's one long cry about all the ways that this person is suffering and loss and it ends with one of the most devastating lines in all of Scripture that after losing all of his companions and all his friends, he only has one left. He ends with the phrase, Darkness is my only friend. More than a few people through the ages have found comfort in the raw, 
untextured, you know, sort of all out there honesty of the Psalms in the way that they give a voice to us before God to tell him what we really feel, to tell him how we really lack, to tell him what we're really experiencing. My Bible reading this week, as I go through the Bible in one year, it was Job. And Job goes on and on and on, very poetically, about all the ways that God has done him wrong. He is willing to tell him about it. If you've struggled with being honest about your own emotions, about your own pain, if you've been told by others, maybe even Christians, that you're not supposed to feel that way, or you're not supposed to think those things, you're not supposed to say those things, go to the Psalms. The Psalms have been an incredible comfort to many, and I think they may be a great comfort to you. But let's go back to Psalm 23. How can we say so glibly, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. I don't need nothing. How can we say that? The bold statement, I lack nothing, of course, is rooted in the first line. Because the first line, you see, again, we've kind of heard it so much, or we've maybe domesticated it so much, we, we forget that the first line is just as bold as the second. The first line is saying that the God of all creation, the God of all history, the one who is at work in the world and is faithful to all his promises, the one who is bringing everything to his perfect completion, this God who has revealed himself to us, yes, in creation, yes, through the scripture, but ultimately in the person of Jesus Christ, that this God is our caring, compassionate, protecting, watchful, always on guard shepherd. And he's for us. He's our shepherd. And the the poet who wrote this psalm is a man named David, who many of you have heard of in a classic sort of coming up from nothing story. David was once a shepherd who just cared for his father's sheep, the youngest son. He knew what it was like to be on duty day in, day out, and, and keeping these, you know, sheep together and caring for their needs and protecting them from harm. And, and though by now this shepherd had risen to be the king of all Israel and one of the greatest dynasties of that era, he still deeply resonated with this image of shepherding care. And so when he was experiencing his own difficulty, his own valley of darkness, his own struggles, he thinks about God, his God in this light. He begins to reflect on God as his shepherd, God as his protector and his provider. In a place where he felt lack, he began to reflect on what it means that God is his shepherd. The truth is, David, who had wrestled, and we see in his story and in other psalms, he himself wrestled with some very dark, very anxious days, anchored his trust in the midst of the darkness, in this fact, that even in the darkness, God is with me. That even in the darkness, I have a shepherd. That God is watching over me, and that truth hasn't changed. The shepherding, caring God, who was there for David, is here for us. Even when we don't know He's there. Even when we can't see Him. Even when we can't feel Him or hear Him. Even on the darkest and windiest of nights, the shepherd is present. The shepherd is good. The shepherd is acting for me and in my best interests. And conversely, as He is my shepherd, I am His sheep. One of His sheep. One of His flock. I'm, I'm in His care. 
I belong to him. And he is not going to forget me. He's not going to wander off and, oh, yeah, what happened to him anyway? That's not God. He knows exactly what I need. And he's watching over me. He's watching over you. Therefore, if my shepherd's present, if my shepherd is good, if my shepherd is loving, if my shepherd is fully aware of my need, and we know the shepherd's revealed ultimately through the person of Jesus, if that is really true, that even in the darkness, even when I feel like I need so much, even when that's all crashing down around me, I can say, because you are my shepherd, I don't need a thing. I lack nothing. Now, I might feel like I lack a lot. And maybe there's a bit of a defiant confidence in here. I may be able to point to things that I might need in particular. It's not as though those things aren't true. And we see in the rest of the psalm, there are opportunities and places to express that. But what is more true than my lack, what is more true than my struggle, is that there is this God who is my shepherd, who is present, who is caring, who knows better than I do exactly what I need. And He will make up for whatever I lack. He is for us. And this is crucial. When we struggle, it's particularly those of us who, who have an ongoing battle with anxiety or depression or, or over, being overwhelmed or struggling with some difficulty, we can feel in those moments as though God has forgotten about us, as though God is no longer here, that we're now totally and utterly alone. But this one truth if it could somehow penetrate the darkness or the anxiety or the difficulty, this is the one truth that we need to remember. You are not alone. You have a shepherd. You are loved. God has not abandoned His post. It might be windy. It might be dark. You might not be able to see. But regardless of what is going on around you, you have a protector. You have a provider. You have someone who's watching out for you because you are loved. You belong. And with that as your anchor, with that as your foundation, you have everything you need because you have Him. Now we know we're out of time because I wanted to hear some from you today. Maybe we'll have to wait next week, have a little more discussion time, okay? I wanted to ask how this image of shepherd helps you in the midst of your own struggle and, 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 and maybe some of the ways that we can lean into that. But we're just going to hold that. Maybe you can discuss some of that as you talk with friends. But let's make this really practical and I'll wrap it up. What can we do about this? Coming right out of the message, a couple of practical things. One is we need to hold on to our shepherd. Whatever you are experiencing, take this as an opportunity to reflect even on this opening line. Even if you can't say the second line, hold on to the first. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. In the midst of a struggle, in the midst of a darkness, hold on to that. You've got a shepherd. You've got a shepherd who is in your court, who is there with you. Regardless of what you're experiencing, your family is struggling with, you have got a shepherd. And to reflect on that. And maybe for you, it's taking this psalm and, and, and posting it somewhere where you can, you can read it and you can pray it and you can say it. Even if in the darkness and in the struggle, you don't even feel like it's true. But you know it's true. And you hold on to that. Hold on to your shepherd. The second one is to be honest about the dark. Not only do we tell the truth about our shepherd, we tell the truth about our struggles. And in this church, we want to be open to that. We want to be real. The Psalms can help with that. I love the program at the end of January, the Bell Let's Talk program, right, that encourages. Here's a business using its platform to encourage people to talk about the thing they're going through. Let's be honest with each other. Let's care for each other. 
And as we're honest, not only will we be able to help you know, ourselves and be able to express that and receive care, but we're going to be able to help others as well. One of the young moms in our community after a particularly difficult time with depression and after a kind of a long resistance toward medication of any kind, she finally knew she needed help. And this is part of her story in her own words. She said, Prozac was a lifesaver. It made me calmer. And it took that dark cloud that was in my head and heart away. It made me into a functioning and kinder mom and wife, and I'm thankful for it. It gave me bits of brightness that wouldn't have happened otherwise. For the moment, from the moment I was on it, I told people. I love that because a lot of people don't. That's my side note there. Back to her. I can't even count the amount of people who would say to me, listen to this, thank you for saying that out loud. Thank you for telling me that you're on an antidepressant. I wish people would talk about it. There's such a stigma surrounding these feelings. Thank you. Thank you for being so honest. My goodness, you're so honest. And I really believe that that has been the thing that has gotten me through. Talking about my problems, expressing, being honest. And I know God has had a hand in all that too. I know He never left me. I never left Him either. I would become disappointed, but I always talk to Him. It's the kind of honesty we need for ourselves and for others. And our honesty will embolden others to tell their story and receive care. Third, pretty obvious, we need to become more compassionate listeners. Whether we are ourselves struggling or whether we're one of the people that for whatever reason we haven't had those struggles, but others do, we need to become more compassionate listeners. For those of us who've never struggled, we might carry certain stereotypes or certain ideas. We need to lean into the struggles that others are happening. We need to turn our ears on. We need to ask people, listen to people, encourage people to share their experiences and just listen to them as they talk. Don't judge. Don't give advice. Listen. Let's become more compassionate listeners. And then the fourth thing is to pray for each other, to be willing to pray, talk to Jesus together. And this morning as we close, I'm going to invite you today, if you'd like to receive prayer. Over here in the corner, you may have noticed, we have set up a prayer ministry area. We're going to use it for this whole series, and we want to continue this ministry. And so we've had a number of prayer ministers in our congregation who have received training uh, from Dana, who's done a lot of prayer ministry and a lot of training in that. And and so today, and in the second service, and on through particularly this series, we want to offer prayer ministry to you if you would like to receive that. Now, here's the deal. The people that are have been trained and the people that uh, will be praying with you today aren't just going to take a request, put their hand on your head, pray, gone. Now, that's bad. What they're going to do is they're going to help you talk to Jesus. And they're going to take time with you. They're going to sit with you. And so they're, they're available to you, and I, I'm saying that so when you come up, you're, you're not completely shocked by an invitation to talk to Jesus, an invitation to sit with them. There's no pressure, but just telling you, they'll be inviting you into that. And, um, and, and, and if you come and, and two of them are already busy, please wait. Please, please, please just wait a bit and, and, and be patient and know that as they're taking time with others, they will also take time with you. So I want to invite, as we close today, and uh, music's going to come on over the stereo, and some of us will go to coffee, but if you want to receive prayer today, please come up here. And this morning we have Jesse and Autumn who are going to be available to pray with anyone. I'm going to just maybe invite you guys to come and, and be over there as we close. We want to be a church that walks together. We want to be the kind of community that says wherever you are, whatever struggle you're going through, we have a shepherd, and together we can walk in the darkness 
knowing that our shepherd is leading us into hope, into healing, into life. Let me pray. Will you stand, actually? Let's pray together. Jesus, you are our good shepherd, and we want today to receive this truth that you are with us, even in the darkness. And today I pray in particular for those among us who have struggled and are struggling with depression or anxiety or or some kind of mental disorder or illness. I pray, Lord Jesus, that nothing this morning would have hurt or discouraged them, but rather they would hear in the midst of the struggle that you care deeply for each and every one of us. And long to long for us to know that and to walk with us in the darkness. So I pray your blessing upon them and for us as a whole community. Would you grow our hearts, Lord Jesus, to become more compassionate for our brothers and sisters and friends and family, co-workers, schoolmates. Would you grow in us a compassion? And may we together simply love and journey following after you, our good shepherd. We bless you and thank you for being our God. In your name we pray. Amen.